All right. <clears throat> Could you look with me to the book of Genesis chapter 8? Today, you know, oftentimes in my preparation, I spend, uh, I know we have later service, and so I spend my mornings on Sunday in worship. I, I study, I, I look over my notes and things like that, and oftentimes God just visits. Today, I, w I became very emotional. Uh, and, and then this song that Pastor Jeremiah uh, uh, sang for us today really messed me up. Uh, praise your name. It just messed me up. It didn't help because I was already in worship uh, at home and I was crying and doing all these things. And, and, and I was just like, Lord, wow. You know, um, I want to talk to you today out of the book of Genesis chapter 8. And, <clears throat> and let's look at it and then we'll talk, okay? You ready? And it came to pass, can you read it, verse 13 there? And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the coverings of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dried. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of this ark. You and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So they that may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird and whatever creep on the earth according to the families went out of the ark. And Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. I want to speak to you today on sweet aroma. Sweet aroma. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless this word. Let it become life and rhema in our heart. And in our minds we may understand, our ears that we may hear, and our heart we may receive. Help us today to see things we have never seen. In Jesus' name. I want to just give you a little brief history. This man by the name of Noah is unique in the Bible is because at 500 years old, he gave, uh, his wife gave him three sons. Now, he lived 500 years old, and then he, his wife gave him three sons. 500 years old. Man, wow. Okay. That, that's incredible. Um, 500 years old, he, uh, God gave him three sons, and then at about 500, theologians tell us that the Lord came to him and said to Noah, says, I want you to build this ark. If you know what an ark is, uh, it's a giant boat. A giant boat. But the funny thing about this boat is it had no, uh, it didn't really have a rudder. It didn't have a steering wheel. It was not powered. And it had one window. And it had one big door. And so the Bible says that uh, he began to build this ark. And God gave him a plan and how to do it. And it was made of gopher wood. And about 
so at 500, he began to build this. And you got to imagine that this man that's living 500 years, building an ark out in the middle of uh, uh, the, uh, where he was uh, living, and it's a desert place, and people are looking at him, what are you doing? What are you building? Could you imagine uh, all these years that he's building it? And at 600 years old, the Lord comes to him, and it says, in seven days, I'm going to bring the rain. And so you have to bring the animals, and we sing these little songs and have a little picture, and we see animals come two by two, but in reality, that wasn't true. The only animals that had two by two were unclean animals, but the clean animals, he had to bring in sevens. So all the sheep, he had seven sets, okay? All the clean animals, he had seven sets. But all the unclean animals, he only had two sets that was male and female. And so the Lord comes to him at 600 years old and he said, Oh, Noah, after 100 years of building the ark, I think you're finally done. And could you imagine all the criticism he got? He goes, You're nuts. Why are you building? He spends a century, okay? 100 years. Anybody here 100 years old? Exactly. Okay. Uh, he spends 100 years to build this ark that nobody has ever seen. There is no precedent for it. Nobody's ever done it before. And the only thing he can tell people is God told me to do it. Has anyone here ever been in a place where you are doing something for God or you feel like you were doing, you are doing something that nobody's ever seen. No, none of your relatives have ever seen it. None of your siblings have ever seen it. And uh, your parents have have never seen it. Your cousins have never seen it. Your grandparents have never seen it. No one has ever seen an ark. And the only thing that Noah could say to them is, God told me to build it. Well, why are you building it? I don't know. He said there's going to be a flood. It's been 50 years. Why are you building it? It's been a flood. It hadn't flooded in 50 years. And so there are things in our life that God tells us to do, and it makes no sense to anyone but ourselves. Right. And, and, and I see this with Noah. I can imagine that after about 50 years, most people would probably give up. Think about it. His sons are 50. Most people would give up. The criticism, uh, the family saying, my, my, my relative Noah, he's just crazy. He keeps building and building and building, not knowing when the flood will come. Hmm. Think about that for a minute. God didn't tell him at 100 years from now, I'm going to flood this earth. And nothing that lives on the earth, uh, on land, nothing that flies is going to live at 100. You know, sometimes God tells us to do something, but he never tells us when he's going to do it. Oftentimes, he says, build it. Okay, for how long? Just build. For how long? I've been doing this 5 years, 10 years, 50 years, 75 years, 80 years, 90 years, and the Lord never gives an answer. There are things in our life that God does and tells us to do, but he never tells us when he's going to move. And it's the frustration of that process, and what do you do? Here, I want to talk to you, and then finally, at 100 years, 
He gets into the ark and he, the, 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 the word of God comes and he brings all these animals and God closes the door and he is on this and the rain comes and he hears the rain coming. The Bible says that the fountains of the earth began to open and the Bible says the water began to lift this giant ark up. Lifts. And for 40 days, the rain came. And you know what's funny is when the rain comes and the floodwaters come, the people that criticize them don't criticize anymore. See, what happens in our life is when uh, we build things for God and people don't see the things coming, it's very easy to give up. It's very easy to say, God, are you really real? And then people around you will begin to question and say, did you really hear God? Did God really get you to build this? Because nobody's ever done it before. See, today, it's It's easy for us to look at the Bible and go back to Noah and say, oh, yeah, God was faithful. But Noah didn't know God was faithful. His sons didn't know that God was going to save them. We get to look back and say, yeah, God's so faithful. Oh, God, I know you're good. He got, Noah had no precedent. He had no standard. He just knew that God was faithful and God spoke to him. There is going to come to a point in your life and my life that you have to be so sure that God spoke to you that nothing will shake you and waver your process of going forward in God. It is difficult. It is difficult when it's only him and his wife and his three boys and his three daughter-in-laws. There were eight of them building an ark. Not a hundred of them. Not a thousand of them. Where were all his relatives, his cousins, his, 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 his friends? There were eight building the ark. Oftentimes, I, I don't know why, but when God brought me this and I said, God, there's, I look at our church and I say, God, you told me to build this. And I look around and, and the Lord says, you got more than eight. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you building? What do you mean? It's, it's called what? It's called ASAT Church. What? What does that mean? What does it stand for? A seat at the table. Oh, okay. What are you building? Well, I'm trying to build the next generation. Really? Has anybody in your family ever? No. Do you know anybody? No. What are you trying to? No. I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've never started a church in a restaurant. I've never started a church in a cafe. Has anybody you know that done it? No. Are you sure, God? Yes. Lord, what are you doing? There, where are we going? What are we moving? And I can imagine that his sons were talking to him and say, Dad, I'm 35 years old. The rain ain't coming, man. We've been here, we've been doing this all my life. And yet, God, I remember you, Bill, telling us that we, since I was one years old and 10 years old and 15 years old and 20, I'm 35 years old. I'm married now. And I'm still building this ark. When is it coming, Lord? When is it coming, Noah? When is it coming? I, I think about this story, and yet God finally comes. And, and, and I don't want to talk about the process of building, but I want to talk to you about the process of what happens when God puts him in this ark. And then afterwards, 
This is what happens. And God puts them in this ark. And the Bible says that at 600 years old, uh, uh, the rain began to come. And uh, could you imagine uh, that uh, Noah is here and he's finally excited um, that God has finally answered and validated what he has heard. And from that moment on, all the criticism and things of life that has doubted him and his sons do not question their father Noah anymore and say, Dad, uh, okay. They don't question why they build. They now realize that what they were building was their salvation. What they're building was for their future. Because without the ark, Noah's sons had no future. Brothers and sisters, without this church, many of us, without God's salvation, many of us will have no future. The dreams and your dreams and, and your uh, giftings will forever die because what I, God told me to do is build this and train up and raise up the next generation. Many churches that you could go to, and it's not wrong, but they're your dreams and your talent and your skills and your vision that God has placed in you will forever die because you'll never have the vehicle whereby to carry you forward into your future. Amen. And see, a lot of times that's what's more important. It's, it's God raised you up for a purpose and a plan, um, but we often get stuck. And for one year, they were sitting in this ark. It's exciting when the rain came because guess what? All the criticism stopped. Isn't that, isn't that all the criticism style? I remember, and I would talk to you, I remember when we started a church and it was in a restaurant, people were like, man, you really, really? Does God move in a restaurant? Really? There were voices. And then when we, when we move out of there, we went to another place. And then we started out. And then we got into a little, uh, my sister's house. And then we, we started doing that. It's great. And then when we moved here, all the criticism stopped for a while. Oh, gosh. Oh, we got a place. We're doing this. And then all of a sudden, now it's like, well, it's difficult this and difficult that. Well, pastor, you want excellence. But people come and people go. And, and, and now I'm trying to get our church to a new location. And we've been in this. And I imagine uh, uh, after about six months sitting in a boat that had no vent, had one window with all the animals for one year and two months. Hmm. Where did all the animal waste go? Where does all the animal waste go? Where does all the smell go? And where does all the stuff go? And I can imagine that there was one window and all the stuff that needed to go overboard went out that one window. Hmm. Where, where do you build? And, and oftentimes, uh, I can imagine being stuck on this, this ark, no matter how big it is, but there are smelly things in the ark. There are sometimes, I want to tell you like this, when you are confined into an area, there are people that you once loved began to get on your nerve. I, I, I see my, my family. Uh, uh, I have a lot of siblings, and, and uh, we love each other, but when you are confined to an area for a year in the same place, smelling the same thing, doing the same thing, after a while, the same people you love, you can't stand. 
Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with anybody today. The same people that you love, you began to uh, look at them funny and start talking about them, and they get on your nerve. You know, I, I see young couples, when they first get married, it's awesome. You know, first year of marriage is awesome. Second year, it's, uh, it's awesome. And third year, sometimes the gloves come off. By the fifth year, the gloves are off. And it's all out. UFC. It's all out war. It's all out... Nothing is held back, and now the same people that you stood before the Lord and loved, and they can't stand. They're like, well, I, I've been here long enough, and I'm smelling all this. I can tell you, brothers and sisters, like this. There's always salvation sometimes within the church. The ark represented salvation. It's actually represented the covenant of God saving us, okay? Let me tell you, the vehicle it represents is the church. And church can be smelly and messy, but it's the only way that we can get saved. It's the vehicle God chose for us to understand him more. It is the vehicle that God chose for us to understand leadership. It's the vehicle that God chose to help us understand about loving each other. It is the vehicle that God chose uh, to get us to understand his word and about relationship and about marriage and about being a father to a daughter, a father to a son. It is the vehicle that God uses to teach us how to be better mothers and sisters and wives. It is the vehicle that God uses uses us to teach us how to be better fathers and husbands and brothers and leaders. It is the same vehicle that God teaches us about sacrifice and giving. It is the same vehicle that God teaches us to teach our children how to sacrifice their time and their money and their effort and their talent. It is the same vehicle even though it's messy and stinky. And you say, Pastor, I thought your sermon was sweet aroma. When the animals are there and the lions are there and the sheep is there and that old stinky pig is in there. And see, you know, oftentimes a uh, family isn't pretty. There are many of us that have family situations and family problems. And, 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 and in the church, it's like a big family. You know, uh, especially when you're small and you got confined and there's a lot of things, but it's still church. It's still God. It's still the vehicle that God chooses us to get us from one place to another place. It is the same place where we can come into church and get saved and get learned and be a better man and be a better woman, be a better son and be a better daughter. It is the same place that many criticize, but Yet it is the same place that have raised many from no one to someone. It is the same place that God uses to make a, a zero into a hero. It's stinky sometimes. And you get feel very claustrophobic sometimes. Could you imagine how many times I want you to put your situation, your life, whatever you're dealing with right now in that situation. Are there things in your life right now you say, God, I feel confined. I thought you're gonna, you told me to build this. And this was me this morning. And I said, God, you told me. You, this is what you told me. And, and, and how can this be? There's, there has been messes that I've had to clean up. There has been stink that I've had to hear. There has been things that I've had to deal with and clean up and and and, and among you, not just me, but others in this church. And yet God says, but there's more than eight of you. Wow. Okay. There's still more than eight of you. 
He said, Lord, when, when is our next location? When does this boat stop? And then we get to go out. And the great thing about this is right at a year and two months, the water. Now, you have to understand, the Bible says that the waters covered the mountains. I don't know about you, but I've been on mountains. Okay? And mountains are huge. I'm not talking about little hills. I'm talking mountains. I've been to the west of, uh, I've been skiing with my, my family, and I've seen the great Rocky Mountains, and they're huge. I've been on Mount Rainier in, in the state of Washington, and the mountain is huge, and is not even considered the tallest peak. And I thought to myself, wow, when you're on the side of the mountain, going down the mountain, you look and you're like, man, this is scary. It is high. And the Bible says that the water covered the mountains. And so here he, the, after 40 days, the rain stopped and he was floating around. And a year later, a year and two months, he's smelling all of the animal waste and all the day in and the mundane things of feeding the animals and guarding the animals and making sure they live. Because remember, there was only two unclean animals. He could not afford that one of the lions die. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today that there are things that God has pl placed in your hand, even though it's mundane, even though it's stinky. But God, you cannot afford to let it die. Amen. Come on. Yes. Okay. Because guess what? God is depending on you to keep it moving and keep it going because the future is dependent on it. See, oftentimes we say, God, I just want to come to church. It's about me. It's really never about just me. It's about you. And it's about others. Because when you look at yourself, it's never in God about us. It's always about others. That's right. That's right. Where else would you learn that? Because this world is all about me, myself, and I. What's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. But in the ark, you've had to learn to balance. You had to learn to put up with nerds. We had to learn to put up with stink. You had to learn to clean up messes. You had to learn to break up fights. Obviously, you don't put the lion next to the lamb or the tiger next to the sheep or the goat or the rabbit. Could you imagine going in there day in, day out? And imagine 100 years of building the ark. Now you got to go another year. And you know what the crazy thing is? Noah never knew when the ground was going to dry up. Brothers and sisters, he didn't know where his next destination is because God never told him. Sometimes it's like that. That when you follow God, he never tells you the day. He just tells you, go, build, do. And this is what God means. At, 100, uh, at, at 601 years, everything stopped, and he gets out. And God says to him while he's sitting in the ark. Brothers and sisters, sometimes God only talks to us when we're sitting in church. That's why people say, well, I don't need church. No, 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 it's the vehicle where God can speak to us. That's 
You know, sometimes that when you're by yourself, uh, God can speak to you, yes, but this time when he was stuck, he was in a smelly place, God began to tell Noah, Noah, it's time to leave and take all the animals with you because I'm going to get them to replenish the earth and you're going to go. And this is what got me. When he leaves, could you imagine him for one year, after 40 days, after one day, two days, three days, people are clawing at the ark. People are yelling and screaming, let me in. People and animals are coming up and growling, and they can hear. And I can imagine Noah looking if he was able to open the window, looking out and seeing dead everywhere that he saw. Everything that he's known is gone. The, the world that he knew began to stop. The world that he knew began to stop. It is a picture of us leaving the old life and walking in as a new believer in Christ. It is called being born again. When you become a Christian, you become born again. And you leave the world that you think you know and think you own, but that the Bible, it represents that if the old things pass away, behold, all things become new. And could you imagine everybody that he knew had died? And everything that he had reference to died. When you become a Christian, everything that you know, God's begin to change your life. Everything that you try to hold on to, God's saying, I'm taking away. But the crazy thing is this. In a new world, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. The boat, the ark that he was on floated away. He wasn't even in the same place anymore. It just carried him. It ended up in a mountain called Ararat. And then, but God says, leave. Get out there. And you're like, Whew. wait, there's eight of us, and what, what are we going to do? Go out. And he can, could you imagine how fearful that must have been for him? What do you mean, do on a woman's conference? What do you mean do next generation? What do you mean go and do this? There's eight of us. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? And, and oftentimes that God pushes us into a new place, in a new place we've never been. The world is forever changed. It doesn't look like it was. We have no reference of it. And we just walking out on this place. It's God just gives him anew. And he's taken everything that God had given him, his skills. He, the one year that he learned to manage uh, everything, he had to take it with him. He had to go out there and replenish the earth with him and his three boys and his wife and their wives. Hmm. The crazy thing is this, that the first thing he does is like, I can't imagine when I read this, I said, Lord, what does the first thing Noah does? He didn't do what you and I would do. Because I would think that a man was living on a boat that stinks like that. The first thing he probably would do was break the ark down and build him a house. <laughs> think about it. He's like, man, this is a new world. I'm going to build the house. I'm going to take that wood and build me a house. Or I'm going to chop down some trees and build me a house. Or at least he could have done is say, all that sheep that I've been feeding, it's time to have a barbecue because we've been delivered. 
Isn't that what we should do? Is now that he's been in there for a year and two months and he hadn't had any barbecue. He'd be looking at that sheep. I'd be looking at that sheep. That cow. I want some picanha. The first thing I'm doing is killing me the fatted calf that I've been dealing with, it's time to celebrate because God had delivered us from trauma. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something like this, that what Noah went through, and we often read it, that the whole world was dead, but what he went through was tremendous trauma. He watched the people he cared for die. He watched his family members, his cousins, his nephews, his nieces, his aunts and uncles died. All of his friends died and everything around him died. He looked out that window. There was bodies everywhere. And yet God delivered him because he was obedient. Brother and sister, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what is around you, the decay, the death, whatever, but when you're obedient, God will deliver you. This message is for me. And the first thing he does, he, he didn't kill a fatted calf. He didn't, he didn't try to get some lamb chops. He didn't try to have a good goat curry. He didn't try to have barbecue. The first thing the Bible says is, I want to read this. And Noah went out and his sons and his wives his wife and his son's wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth according to their families went out of the ark. And this is what got me. Then Noah built an altar. You know what God says? He said, what you going to build when you go through trauma? When I deliver you through the devastation, when I deliver you through death, when I deliver you while everything else is gone out of your life, when I deliver you, yeah, you might not have a job, yeah, you might not have a family, yeah, everything that you've known, you've lost your home that you've lived in for 600 years. When you've lost all of your family and everything that you've known has died, what are you going to do when I deliver you? And God says that the first thing that we see that Noah does, he didn't have a barbecue, he didn't kill a fatted calf, he didn't kill the fatted lamb, he took the clean animals and the bird and he made an altar and offered it to God. Brother and sisters, you know what God was telling me? He said that, you know what? When you go through the deliverance, when you go through and you've been stuck in a place and I deliver, what you're going to do? Are you going to build a tower? Are you going to build walls? Are you going to build your house? Are you going to build on things? Are you going to build an altar? That word altar there represents a meeting place. What he did was he began to worship God. Of the first thing he ever did, he didn't tell his sons, sons, break the ark down and let's build us a house because there is, uh, there's three of your wives, there's three of you and mom and dad, so there's eight of us, we've got to have a big house. No, no, no. He said the first thing that he wanted to show his boys is when God delivers you, is when you do is build an altar before the Lord. And the Bible says it went up to God and smelled so good. 
Brothers and sisters, anybody can praise God when you're having God bless you. But what Noah went through is everything that he's known has been lost, and he began to praise God because God saved him. See, when you come to Sunday morning, that when you know God the way Noah knew God, is he was not praising him for the house. He wasn't praising him for his future. He, he wasn't praising him and say, God, I, I got a fresh new start because that's what Noah got. All the criticism stopped. No gossiping anymore. Uh, the people that used to point fingers at him was gone. He, he started over. God gave him another chance. It's a new life. But the first thing he ever wanted to do was build a foundation of worship. It became a sweet aroma to God. The Bible says, and not in this version, but other version, it says that the smell was a sweet aroma to the Lord. Of all the things he could have done, I can't imagine the first thing he does is not cook some food or barbecue or even build a house or get a camp or get a tent. But the first thing he does, it says, God, when I get a new life, the first thing, the one and the only thing is build a foundation of worship and praise. Brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, what are you building now? What are you building now? Now that God has blessed you, now that God's given you a job, now that God's given you money, now God's given your health back, now God's given you a new leaf and a second chance, what are you building? Other people have gone through trauma, and you know what they build? They build their life on addictions. They've gone through trauma, but yet Noah, through the trauma of his life, he said, Lord, I worship you. Amen. And forever he sets a precedent. Did you know this is the first story in the Bible where we see a man build an altar before the Lord? Hmm. Adam never built an altar. Noah built an altar, and later on we see the descendant of Noah named Abram, Abraham, the father of faith, begin to build an altar. And the following, because of Abraham's faith building altars, you know who else built an altar? Isaac builds an altar. And then you know who else builds an altar? Jacob builds an altar. Brothers and sisters, what are we building in the foundation of our life? Well, you might not be gone through trauma. You might not have gone through what uh, 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 Noah has gone through. And God forbid that won't happen again. But whatever you've gone through, are we building an altar before the Lord that will transcend the generations that have yet to come through your life? It is a sweet aroma to God when we worship. It is a sweet aroma to God when we begin to praise. You know what? It, it, it might be boring and it might be cliche because we often talk about, oh, we should praise. But really, what is the we building? What have we given all? And the Bible says that he took the animals and offered it to God. He didn't eat it. He didn't say, you know what, we need to save these animals. He didn't do that. He began to use it as an offering before the Lord. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter if you've gone through anything in life. 
but begin to build the altar of worship and praise again. Begin to build an altar of worship and praise again. You know, in the book of Revelation 8, 4, it says this, Now that we don't have to sacrifice animals, it's because Jesus died as the ultimate sacrifice. But look what the Bible says in 8.4 of Revelation. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angels' hands. You know that when we begin to worship, the Bible talks about that our worship is like fragrance that goes up. It is fragrance that go up to God. It is God receiving the sweet aroma of our praise. You know, a lot of people are building a lot of things today. There's a lot of talk about building lately. Walls, political foundations. There's a lot of people building, building for their future building financial security, building this and building that. Building reputations and building social media empires. Am I still on? Can you hear me? What are we building? And whatever we are building, is it a sweet aroma to the Lord? Let us stand. You know what the book of Psalms 22 says? It says that, But you are holy, God, and you enthroned in the praises of Israel. You know, that, that term is it's almost like he's saying, God, you enthroned, you, you enthroned yourself with the praises of your people. We begin to praise God, not because He gives us stuff, but we begin to praise God because our praise is a sweet aroma to the Lord. Let us we just spend a few minutes, just close our eyes and worship the Lord. The altar is open. You know, I don't know where you are right now in your life and what you're doing, what you're dealing with, but I know one thing is God has preserved you for a time like this. That you're not here today because of chance or by luck or coincidence, but you're here today is because God wants you to touch you to come and speak to your heart. And today, if you don't know Christ, those that are watching us, and you said, you know, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus. And you know what I learned like this, is every person has to receive Jesus for themselves. Even though my family, I have older brothers and sisters that came to Christ 
and we were raised as Buddhists. But did you know that when I came to Christ, they couldn't do it for me. I had to do it for myself. And every person starts at the same place with God and say, Lord, touch me today. The altar is open. I like for them to sing that song that Pastor Jeremiah sang. And if you feel led this afternoon, come forward as we worship the Lord together, as we praise His name. And we just come to the altar. Just come to the altar and just begin to worship the Lord.